Welcome to Avatar with Academics. I am Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, uh, we are up to Book One Water, Chapter 15, Bato of the Water Tribe. It's a good one. Yeah, I this is this is a great episode. Uh, I There's so many things that I was so excited to see uh, come to fruition here. So let's just jump right in mm. and get going on this. Um, so our show opens with our heroes walking through a seaside forest. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is interesting because usually it starts with them in the air. Usually the episode ends with them in the air and starts with them in the yeah. air. Um, but they're walking through the forest and Aang finds uh, a whale tooth sword stuck in the ground. Mm-hmm. And we've seen weapons like this before. We mm-hmm. we can recognize this as a uh, as a water tribe weapon. So Sokka right. looks at it. And he, we get this flashback. And this is going to be an episode that has multiple flash, Sokka flashbacks in it. This so, is a very Sokka-centric episode. Absolutely. For sure. Which is something I really like about we it. We haven't really had that yet. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we see this flashback of young Sokka watching the Water Tribe men preparing to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks like how old? Eight or nine. Okay, this is an important question because this is this is you know we talk about things that frame time in this yeah. show because this is telling us how long ago it's been since they've really been without parents because I presume their mom is already dead. Right, I think when they go off to fight, I'm presuming. Yeah. So it's like he looks y- way younger than Aang. Oh yeah, yeah. For so sure. I'm thinking six, seven, eight, something yeah, like that. I thought around there too. And how how old is Sokka now? Um, I thought he was like 16, 15 or 16. Yeah. So like it's maybe been eight to 10 years. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, so he realizes that it's a water tribe weapon. Obviously, there's a whale tooth sword. Uh, so they start looking for anything else. Uh, and Sokka finds a burned arrow and then he sort of looks over at a tree and sees slashes on the tree. And it's like he starts to read a story of a battle kind of looking at the signs around him like he's tracking. Yeah. Um, And this reminds me of uh, in the two towers, there's a scene where Aragorn, when they they get to where the... um, the 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 soldiers of Rohan had defeated the orcs and they're yes. like burning the bodies and you see Aragorn starts to like walk around and like feel the ground and like yeah. look at tracks and he starts to tell the story of that's, how Merry and Pippin got away. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking when they leave that little token. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the image that came to my mind. Yeah, too. so so which is cool. So we also see that Sokka is a trained tracker. Yeah, we haven't seen that yet. We've yeah. seen we've seen Zuko do it, and we've talked about how we don't think he's very observant, but maybe in certain contexts he's hyper observant. Yeah, because like, he like turned on all of yeah, a sudden. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he sort of walks through this, and it leads them to the beach, and he says the trail ends here. But Katara turns and sees a water tribe boat on the shore. Yeah, how excited were you when you saw this? So excited! I was like, this is like they have we haven't seen anything water tribe since like episode one, right? Basically. Right, right, yeah. And you I saw mean, the scroll. Yep, yeah, right. So, so you know, either you're thinking this is a this could be from the Northern Water Tribe because we know we're mm-hmm. close, which would be exciting, or we know that the men from the Southern Water Tribe are out somewhere. Right. Um, so this is a sign that maybe they're still alive because we don't know that either. Yeah. Um. So Katara asks, "Is this Dad's boat?" And Sokka says, "No, but it's from his fleet. Dad was here." Yeah, I'm also like, "Wow, how good memory." Yeah, I, or or maybe there are markings that would indicate this is the sure. South Pole Water Tribe or something, but, yeah. but Sokka and, definitely recognized it. And it's interesting, Katara doesn't. Yeah, she must have been really young then. Well, yeah, because when... if he was 
you know, six, seven, eight, that means she's four, five, six. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought about that, that like this, her father, she only really knew up until that age. Yeah. So probably it's mostly stories she's heard from Sokka. Because I mean, I think about my daughter now. So my daughter is 13. So Mm -hmm. roughly Katara's age. Um, And we moved houses when she was four, I think. Um, and it's interesting because, like, I ask her about living in that house, and she has sort of fleeting memories of it, but not not like full, you know, fully realized memories. And my son, who was uh, almost six, also kind of has has more memories, but fleeting memories of it. So those would be the memories of her father, which is really interesting, right? And probably a lot of the memories surround trauma, so maybe some are really, really, I don't know, present. But uh, yeah, that's right. really interesting, right? Um, so then we cut to this uh, extreme close-up of Iroh, really close-up, <laughs> um, sipping tea. And there, then, you know, it, it, it shoots out to the interior of the ship. And uh, Iroh says, see, Zuko, a moment of quiet is good for your mental well-being. They're just, like, sitting across from each other enjoying tea time. Right. Well, one of them's enjoying it. Well, what's it? So, so Sokka starts to drink. Zuko? Or, excuse me, Zuko starts to drink. And um, and then the, all of a sudden the ship is rattled and the tea spills. But what's interesting about this is Zuko's trying. Yeah. He's like, I mean, Iroh's constantly telling him, chill out. Relax, relax. Yeah. So this is at least his attempt to be like, okay, uncle, I'm going to sit here and drink tea with you. His heart might not be in it, but he's making the effort. I, know, I mean, yeah, he likes Sokka, complains about things, but eventually goes on with it. Zuko does that too. And I wonder, like, how many music nights is he roped into? How many, you know, like how many right. other things on the ship is he like, fine, uncle, like I'll do it. Because I think, I mean, like he does really love his uncle. Right, right. But yeah, I would love to see like a, episodes where we just stayed on that ship and and didn't advance the story but i just want to know more about what happens and so far we've had episodes without zuko so it'd be kind of fun to have one without ang and just like sit with zuko that's fascinating i doubt as a kid show i doubt they would go that far but that would be pretty cool Mm, that would be really interesting um so there's this disturbance so they go up to the deck of zuko's ship and we see I didn't know how to describe this creature, <laughs> so I called it a giant, long-legged, kind of wolverine-looking thing, but when like opposized. Yes, when I read that, I uh, when I read your notes, I turned to my husband Mike as we were watching, and I was like, "It's not a wolverine." And Mike's like, "Um, it kind of looks like a wolverine." Like, he's like, "What do you call it then?" And we looked, and there's like this site. I don't know if you've seen it, like the Avatarpedia site. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is intense. I've avoided it. Because you of spoilers. Yeah. Yes, you absolutely should. It is very intense, but they described it as a, it has a star-nosed mole face mm-hmm. <laughs> and no sight, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't even think you can see any eyes. Nope. I think it just has the snout. And then it has like an anteater kind of snout too and like yeah. a tongue. Yeah, yeah, It's really gross. Yeah, yeah. It's, really not, it's not... The wolverine colors. Yeah, as lovable as Appa is, this thing is not. No. But it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So so you have to picture this thing is the size of Appa, which Appa's the size of a small bus, right? Like <laughs> yep. these are large, large and functions animals. as one. <laughs> right. Uh, and there's a, a woman riding on the back of it and it climbs up onto the, the ship's deck. Mm-hmm. And she says, uh, get back, we're after a stowaway. So somebody hiding on the ship. Mm-hmm. And Zuko's like, there's no stowaways on my ship, right? He knows everything in his ship. And then we see the animal rip open the deck and toss it. And I don't know if you noticed the sound when the piece of deck 
flies. It is metal that it rips through. Oh, this is, it, it, it's not wood. It's metal. So this is a powerful creature. Yeah. Uh, and then it sort of sticks its snout below deck. And we see what I'm going to call <laughs> a like smell cam shot. This mm-hmm. is the third episode in a row where we're seeing through a different creature's Animal, yeah. senses, right? Because we see, uh, we see the Momo cam, mm-hmm. we see the Love cam, oh yeah, in the fortune teller, and now we're seeing, uh, we're seeing Wolverine, Wolverine cam, ant eater <laughs> cam. cam, yeah. Um, so everything's in black and white, yep. Except there are like these like like colored smoke trails, and you realize that's the scent, right? That, that he's and on. they're just trying to represent not being able to see but see through your nose, exactly, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so this leads them, these, these green trails lead to this, to a barrel and in the barrel is an earth kingdom stowaway. I was surprised. It's like, who is that? How? Why? Why? why, What's he escaping from? (laughs) That he would go on a fire nation ship. Yeah. It's like, that seems so bizarre. Yeah. So it it makes me, we don't learn anything more about this guy. He has a bounty on him though. So it could be that he has a Fire Nation bounty on him. Yeah. Because we don't know where she's going to uh where she's going to collect that bounty. Right. But she seems like she's open to going wherever the money is. And you know, I guess if I was that guy, I would rather hide in a Fire Nation ship than have that thing chasing me out in the open. That's very true. That's very true. Right? Yeah, you at least think you're safe under that metal deck. <laughs> but we, you're not. We've now learned what it's capable of. So the, so he starts to run, but the uh, the Wolverine's long tongue shoots out the sort of anteater tongue, anteater tongue and uh, stuns him. Mm-hmm. So Zuko's like, is he paralyzed? And she says, only for about an hour. The toxins will wear off, but by then he'll be in jail and I'll have my money. And here's where we learn what the animal's called. Yeah. So we can call it this from now on. She says, "My shirshu," mm. which I saw two different spellings of on the on the um, Avatarpedia. It's spelled S H I R S H U, but right. on the captions, it was X I E R X U. Right. So I don't know. I don't know where the closed captioning comes from. Same. Yeah. So well, shirshu is how it's pronounced. So, mm-hmm, uh, so mm-hmm. uh, I went with the X spelling. Yeah. Um, in here, but I'll probably mess up the pronunciation. <laughs> That's okay. So she says that it can smell a rat a continent away. And we are going to see that this thing, when it gets a scent, it's able to track it unbelievably far. And fast. Yes. So Iroh is very impressed by this <laughs> and maybe a bit smitten by the writer. Who yeah. We find out her name is June, even though she never says it. But eventually in the episode, they just start calling her oh, June. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's almost like that. there's a deleted scene that we didn't see where we find out who this that. is. I see that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, he, he looks impressed and Zuko looks annoyed that his uncle looks impressed too. Did right. you notice that? Right. Well, and you know, what's interesting about this is that this is going to be a theme running throughout it um, that... I think Iroh, and this is something really cagey about Iroh, he doesn't want to be the third wheel in a trio. Mm. So he finds who the alpha person is and tries to get between them and the other person. Because mm. clearly, as we'll see in this triumvirate, that um, that June is the alpha, and Iroh realizes if I side with Zuko, she's still the alpha. So, and it, And if... Zuko and June get on the same side, then I'm clearly on the outs. So hmm. he, he cozies up to her. I mean, he's a he's a savvy. I mean, I don't I don't know how uh, uh, how the board game is played. I'm forgetting the name of it. Pai Shao. Yeah. But maybe maybe this is part of his strategy too. I don't know. Like he's very strategic in this. Uh, uh-huh. But it is interesting because it's like it separates him from Zuko a little bit. It creates a kind of distance. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I never thought of it like that though. I like that. 
So now we cut back to uh, the beach at night, and our heroes are camping by the Water Tribe ship. So they've just sort of set up camp yeah, here. Yeah, maybe hoping someone will appear, right? Well, it's the first thing they've seen attached to home mm-hmm. in a long time, however long dad. they've been traveling. Yeah. Right. Um, so Katara and Aang are sleeping. Aang's on Appa's paw. Yeah. So cute. <laughs> Looks so soft. And Sokka is sitting awake staring at the fire. I mean, he's because he's the one who has the memory, right. Like it's it's like it's working on him, haunting him kind of to a certain degree. And like in every other scene where he's sleeping, he's always the one zonked out and everyone else is the one that wakes up. But this time he's, he can't. Because he's going to be at the center of the frame for this episode. So as he's staring at the fire, we see a a flashback of young Sokka uh, and he's in war paint and he's carrying his gear to the water tribe ships uh, as they're preparing to leave. When, okay, so first episode when he's training the kids mm-hmm. or second episode I don't remember mm-hmm. which one were they wearing war paint too I don't think so he puts on the war paint when he's gonna face Zuko yeah for the that's first where time. we see that I don't think the kids are wearing it um, he, when they're when he's training them though. he just looks so young to have that on yeah it looked bizarre kind yeah. of yeah. but like we clearly see that he idolizes his father mm-hmm. and he sees his father as the uh, and I'm, I'm gonna use this this language intentionally as the like epitome of masculinity of yeah. manhood yep because um, this episode's going to have a lot of sort of rites of passage and manhood stuff in it uh, mm-hmm. if, if we pay attention to that mm-hmm. so uh his father says you're not old enough to go to war Sokka. you know that and Sokka says i'm strong i'm brave i can fight please and uh his father says something and this is the first time we've seen their father mm-hmm. i think even in flashback i don't know if we've seen yeah i think we've just heard him referenced right so here's the piece of advice that he gives. And this is going to become a Sokka mission statement, at least for this episode, and something I want to track going forward. Mm-hmm. His father says, being a man is knowing where you're needed most. And for you right now, that's here protecting your sister. Mm-hmm. Sokka says, I don't understand. And his father says, someday you will. Hmm. Now, let's hold on to that piece of advice being a man is knowing where you're needed most because that's going to come up multiple times in this episode. Yeah, and probably the rest of the season too. Right. I mean, it feels like it. I'm always yeah. looking for I, I'm I'm always looking for mission statement stuff here. So we cut back to the fire, and Sokka jumps up because he hears something in the dark, and we see a man in water tribe dress I mean, approaching. He's like got flowing brown hair. He's a pretty attractive looking man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he has a huge bandage down like his whole side of his body doesn't he well i thought that okay but then if you look at Sokka's arms Sokka also has those on his arms so i don't know if that's just water tribe dress or if that is bandage and i thought well we haven't introduced him yet but um he i think he got injured he does and that's why he left Mm -hmm. so i couldn't tell i didn't know i agree with you like it looks like the same thing but it's hard to know I feel like I want to see more water tribe people to be like, is this yes. like a just one of the ways that they keep warm is through this like tight wrap? Yeah. I mean, it might be like a warrior thing. Yeah. That we haven't really met any it warriors. It looks cool. Yeah. So, yeah, whether it's bandages or just like this is how to look cool, it looks mm. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he approaches and he says Sokka. So, like, he knows who Sokka is. And Sokka knows him. And he so we get his name, which is the, the titular Bato of the water tribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Katara and Aang wake up, and Kanara, uh, Katara knows him as well. 
Uh, and Aang tries to introduce himself, but no one seems to notice oh, him. Yeah. And this becomes a theme that's going to run through the uh, through the early part of this episode. Yeah. And then they're like, this is a connection to their childhood. So they're both asking, like, where is where is dad? Where is he with you? Like, are you here on your own? Um, and then they learn that he's not there. Right. Like the dad isn't with him. Right. Right. Do and- we know their dad's name? Uh, we're going to learn it oh, okay. in the next scene. Yeah. Uh, so they, everybody starts to shiver. It's all of a sudden very cold. But again, these are water tribe people. But still, it's very cold. So he invites them uh, inside mm. to wherever he's staying. And and so Sokka, Bato, and Katara are walking. And it's like Bato sort of turns back and waves Aang in too. You know, so, yep. so he's definitely at least is perceiving himself on the outside of right. on the outside of this group. So here's an, here's another triumvirate. And then Aang. So yeah. Aang is a is a fourth wheel, mm-hmm. you know, or 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 a third wheel if we think of Bato and then Katara and Aang as a, representing their father, like children mm. of their father. Aang is the outsider in that. Yeah, he's an afterthought. Yeah, and it was interesting too. I don't know if this stuck out to you, but they are so small compared to Bato. I had the same thought. I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot how young they are. It, that I always think of them as being like adult sized. <laughs> and also, they walk past next well, to him, and he's. It also makes me wonder: uh, Is this a mistake in animation that they made them too small in that scene, or are Water Tribe people really tall? Oh yeah, because like I haven't. I mean, we've seen them around adults otherwise, and I haven't thought anything of it. But I had the same thought when they're running up to Bato. Bato looks a foot and a half taller than them. I wonder. Yeah, and maybe it's like a, a warrior too, where we've seen them with kind of more like average folks out Mm -hmm. and older people too and so i don't know like and maybe they're also trying to emphasize these are still kids yeah you know that could be a little magical realism thrown in (laughs) maybe yeah but i had the exact same thought um so they they now enter into what appears to be a kind of convent or Mm -hmm. abbey um and bato is is sort of telling them his story says after i was wounded your father carried me to this abbey the sisters have cared for me ever since. Now, what's interesting is who are these sisters? Is it is this a religious order? Right. I was going to ask you, as the token Catholic in the room between you and me, <laughs> is a superior a Catholic term? Yeah, like a mother superior. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you think about like um, the sound of music, like the mother superior is the like abbess. The head. Yeah. Okay. I think that's another another way to talk and it's about like the abbess. Strictly Catholic. Like or, or it's I guess monastic, it's... yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I don't. What I don't know is in a in a monastery you'd have the abbot, but I don't know if he would be referred to as Father Superior. I've never heard that, <laughs> but I definitely heard Mother Superior as the head of a convent. Okay, yeah. yeah so this feels like it's a religious thing, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's an abbey, which would would point you that. And he refers to them as sisters, mm. and it's clearly just women there besides Bato. Mm-hmm. So. Um, we don't really know anything about religion in this world other than sort of the avatar incarnation-y kind of stuff. And there's definitely like the spirit world, but I would love to to know more about about religion. I don't know that we're going to get that in a kid's show. Like I, I could see them steering away from that, but this is at least pointing to, you know, one of the things this show does well is world building. Like it's pointing to some world cultural stuff. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I, I would be shocked if we got into the theology of this world and that's this whole episode's full of that all these cultural things that i want to know so much more about but they don't give it to you absolutely so so he addresses the sisters and mother superior and he says superior these are kota's children so that's where okay, we learn yep. uh we learn their father's name they've been traveling with the avatar and uh and they found i found them by my boat so what's interesting is 
uh, Aang didn't get a any kind of special reception from Bato, but mm. but Sister Superior, Mother Superior does. She says, young Avatar, it gives me great joy to be in your presence. Welcome to our Abbey. So if their religion is tied to the Avatar, like she sees this as a significant thing, at least at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aang starts to give sort of this formal thank you. It's almost like he's learned some of the airs and graces of being Avatar. <laughs> um, so... He starts to do this, but he's cut off by Sokka asking Bato about the smells. Um, and I thought this was going to be a food reference, but it's actually a reference to what the sisters do at the Abbey. And um, he says, the sisters craft ointments and perfumes. So here Sokka makes a terrible joke about, oh, oh maybe we should give some of that to Appa because, you know, he needs the perfume because he stinks so much. And he's like, there's silence. He's like, am I right? And we get something we haven't heard in in uh, about eight episodes, which is the silence and then like the one cough in the background. The single cough. It's definitely the same one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Bato says, "You have your father's wit," <laughs> which I also like because it's like, oh, that tells us something about their father too. Right? Yeah, it's like he's not just this like idealized brave warrior, but he's maybe like Sokka, where he like like tries to be jovial but maybe like is actually not that funny like yeah i like that i like that little fact i hope we see that i am assuming we're going to meet him at some point and i hope we see that aspect of him and then maybe you know like maybe then too we can think about Sokka in the future and like right now he seems like he's kind of what you know just being Sokka. but then maybe he will be like a powerful warrior and it's like he's just a kid you know like he just is messing around well i think that's a big thing is this episode we get to reframe them as children yeah you know in a a different kind of way so next we see them entering into bato's quarters uh and can you describe what it looks like there are um animal skins on the walls on the floor there's like a big um fire in the center mm-hmm. like for cooking mm-hmm. and it's like um, there's a tent in there too isn't is it yeah there? yep yeah. and there's like floor cushions so uh it looks really cozy super warm and it looks very much like a water nation right and katara says it looks like home mm-hmm. and he says everything's here even the pelts yes and then ang says yeah nothing's cozier than dead animal skins and I thought of Ace Ventura when he walks in. Have you seen, um, what is the second one called? When Nature Calls. Oh my gosh, Mike and I watched that like two weeks ago and it did not stand the test of time. But we watched it and uh, he walks into this room of like animals on the walls and he, he like swings his head back and forth and he's like, this is a lovely room of death. And it, yeah, reminded me of that. Anyway, <laughs> great line. Great line. Well, and it's interesting because, again, we realize that Katar and Sokka haven't seen anything like this in a long time. Mm. So, I mean, that this, you know, this is, again, their reintroduction to this. Uh, and we see Momo who's expect- inspecting the uh, the head of a bearskin rug and the jaw sort of snaps shut. Yes. Um, it's almost almost as if the bear is still alive. <laughs> um, so on the fire is a big pot of what we learn are stewed sea prunes, which sound – okay, you're a vegan. Would you eat stewed sea prunes? Honestly, yeah, maybe I'd try it. Yeah. Okay. I think they sound awful. I don't mind prunes. And they keep you regular. Okay. So. Which is, you know, we have that we talk about all the sort of real life things that this show deals yeah. with. Maybe maybe fiber is something that Yeah, I that, mean, although Aang's a vegetarian, so I feel like he probably it's it's a um efficient system. Right, right. But not Sokka so much. No. So, so maybe this is what he needs. Maybe this will help him out. Wow, yes. Uh, so Sokka says, Dad could eat a whole barrel of these things, and Aang thinks they smell disgusting. Um, so then uh, Katara and Sokka start asking Bato for stories about the old days at the South Pole, and especially mm-hmm. about their father. So they're like, is it true that you are that you and Dad lassoed an Arctic hippo? So he sort of tells, you <laughs> know, that see. story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and uh, and Bottle's like, yeah, you know, the your father kind of dragged me into it, but really the hippo dragged us around. Mm-hmm. So Aang tries, he's trying his best to like get involved, right? He, right. So he tries to get into the conversations like, hey, I like to ride animals too. And he starts to tell the story of the, the sea eel, which I'm guessing is a coyote. Would that be the, oh, yeah. the story, right? Um, and uh, Sokka cuts him off and kind of ignores him. Mm. And is like, so who came up with the great blubber fiasco? I love that they just hint at stories. I'm like, I'd love to hear about the great blubber fiasco. Yeah, the name <laughs> itself is amazing. <laughs> right. So Aang asks what that story is, and Sokka just kind of puts up his hands like, it's a long one. I'll tell you some other time. So, like, they are excluding yeah. Aang. And his face just keeps getting, like, sadder and sadder. Right. And I think this connects to what I was talking about with, with Iroh trying to get in the middle of the triumvirate, right? Because mm. what he's trying to avoid is what's happening to Aang, which is, like, I'm the one on the outside Closed of this. Out. And, and And my friends are interested in this other person. Right. I mean, because Zuko and um, June are both so competent too and mm-hmm. young same age yeah yep, i yep. can see that um so katara says you and dad had a lot of hilarious adventures and bato says none of them were hilarious at the time but everything gets funnier with hindsight um and here we see ang it cuts over to ang and he's wearing this kind of animal he- animal headdress yeah thing. and he gets reprimanded by bato who's like bato hasn't even really talked to him at all right and like maybe this is one of the first things he said is like please put that down it's ceremonial and very fragile and i did not love ang being insensitive like culturally insensitive just because it seems like he has never been that way before right so i f- it's probably coming out of a place of self-consciousness and and trying to act out maybe yeah you know i think that's the thing is is we see and this goes back to the fortune teller um when ang is trying really hard he seems so unnatural and ang has such this he moves through the world with a natural ease but when we see him start to try hard all of a sudden he becomes very unnatural so this actually seems like a pretty good example of that where Mm -hmm. he's he's trying way harder than he normally would and and it actually makes him awkward yeah. right so he's so like yeah it's like so i think acting out is kind of the and right like, way kind to think of a about little that. unlikable right yeah. right so we cut to the ex- so so we, we cut away from this to uh the exterior of what appears to be a rowdy bar at night <laughs> yep. uh, and we see a man thrown out the window mm. and inside we see june the bounty hunter is arm wrestling with this huge hulking muscular guy that looks exactly like ryu from the video game Street Fighter. I showed you a picture of yeah, Ryu. It's just the same guy. Yeah, I didn't know who that was, but like muscular face is the same, has the red bandana thing right. on. So, so they're, they're arm wrestling as a crowd of drunken gamblers look on. To which in my notes I wrote, this is still a kid's show, right? Like, like what is happening? <laughs> yeah, right. Bar night, people fighting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What is this? Uh, so we see Zuko and Iroh uh, work their way through the crowd because they've clearly been tracking June. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Zuko says, out of my way, filth, uh, you know, to like the people, the, the onlookers. The yeah. And Iroh's like, he means no offense. I'm sure you bathe regularly. <laughs> so Iroh's trying to, you know, uh, round off the sharp corners of, uh, of Zuko as he often does. Yes. Especially so, in a crowd where people are fighting. Right. So Zuko walks up to June while she's in the middle of this match. Uh, and she calls them angry boy and uncle lazy. <laughs> Very true. So this actually, I mean, she so she get like has met these people barely at all and has cut to the core of who they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, John Mulaney has this thing about how like eighth graders are the worst things in the world because they can insult you in ways that like cut to the core of your insecurities. And I feel like June is good at that. Oh, yeah. 
Definitely. <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, Zuko looks angry at this and Iroh laughs heartily because he's still trying. I mean, he's still playing. He's still playing his social game here. Mm-hmm. Um, so she wins the match and all of a sudden coins start to just rain down on her from from all over the bar. So it's not just arm wrestling, but it's arm wrestling with uh, with some wagers involved. Um, so Zuko says, your beast destroyed my ship. You have to pay me back. And there's this great moment where she says, while she's wrapping her arms around all these coins that are flying around her, she says, I'd love to help you out, but I'm a little short on money. And then she just yells out, drinks on me. And the crowd cheers. And I'm again going to ask, this is a kid show, right? Like, yep. like what is happening? Uh, so Zuko says, money isn't what I had in mind. I need you to find someone. And he holds up Katara's necklace. Mm-hmm. Um, so she starts what is going to be a running sort of jabs at Zuko. She says, what happened? Did your girlfriend run out on you? And he says, it's not the girl that I'm looking for, but it's the bald monk she's traveling with. I love how Aang is always described as a bald monk. Yeah, yes. Could it be the tattooed avatar or something? Yeah, yeah there's lots of monk. things you could say. Um, he says, if you can find them, I'll consider the damage to my ship paid for. So she refuses. And then Iroh adds, plus we'll pay your weight in gold. <laughs> And she says, make it your weight in gold and we've got a deal. So she just, she is, again, insightful and like. Fast. And razor sharp with her her insults. Yep. But Iroh laughs and agrees. So she brings the necklace to the the Shirsu's snout so he can pick up the scent. And we see this sort of purple scent trails appear now. Mm -hmm. Um, And they all climb aboard and ride off. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so now they're on the uh, the path, right, to try to find Katara. Um, we don't really know how far away they are from them at this point. No, yeah, no. We're gonna get some indicators of where they're at in the world a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but we cut back to the Abbey and we see Bado speaking with Katara and Sokka. He says, "I'm expecting a message from your father any day now. Your father s- said he'd send a message when they found the rendezvous point." If you wait here until the message arrives, you can come with me and see your father again. Which, mm, I guess he did say any day now, but it seemed really vague, especially right. when these kids are like on a mission. But because well, I don't know how long Bato's been there. I mean, yeah, is it pretty? Is it pretty recent? Right. I mean, we it may know. it may be that it's just been a few days. Like they may have missed their father by an eyelash. Mm. Um, but upon hearing this, Ang looks distraught, and you can see that he feels rejected. Yeah. Um, and Katara and Sokka are excited at the prospect of seeing their father. So we see this dejected Aang slip out and walk away from the from the Abbey. And no one notices he leaves. Right. Yeah. Uh, th- which is a, happening all the time, no one noticing him. So this made me think about um, Aang as an orphan. Because mm. he is, right? He's mm. orphaned from his people entirely. And it's interesting to think the people who made this show are children of the 1980s, right? If this is made in 2005, and I'm presuming this is made by people in their 20s and 30s, yeah, would be my guess. Yeah, probably. So they they grew up in the 1980s. I'm gonna I'm actually gonna name four pieces of popular culture. And I'm curious if you're aware of any of these okay. being not a child of the 80s. I'll try. So three of them are three of them are TV shows, and one is a movie. Different Strokes. I've heard of it. Uh, Webster. Nope. Punky Brewster. Apps. Well, nope, no. Okay. I think the, I'd remember that. The movie Annie. Hey, yeah. Okay, you've little heard orphan. That. Yeah. So these are all sorry. So 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 different strokes. Webster and Punky Brewster were all really popular shows, especially different strokes and Webster. Especially different strokes was maybe the most popular show in the U.S. for a while. Mm. And they're all shows about orphans. They're sitcoms about orphans oh. who like end up living with this older person or this older couple. And you know, like this was just 
a dominant theme in popular culture. There's something about, I don't know if there's something about like Gen Xers that are drawn to, maybe maybe we don't feel like we have a place in the world. So huh. there is this sort of orphan sense. I don't know. Like, like it is, um, it was just super prevalent. And what would often happen even on other family sitcoms, when they got old, when the shows were had been on for a while, the way they would regenerate the show is they would introduce a new kid. Often, you know, a kid that they meet on the street and take in or something like this, like like Leonardo DiCaprio on the show Growing Pains as a kid plays a character like this. Like this is huh. like the orphan is the is is just uh, just a fixture of '80s popular culture. So it's just interesting how much we see the orphan trope in Ang. Yeah, in this particular episode. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So, um, so as Aang leaves, we see uh, we're back in Bato's quarters, and we see Sokka. Now, remember, he just Bato just said, you know, you can come with me, and we'll see your father. Sokka says it would be great, but we can't. Mm. We have to take Aang to the North Pole first. So Aang misses out on hearing them say that, the loyalty there. Exactly. Yeah. So he doesn't hear this. Katara says, even if we had time to wait for the message, who knows how far we'd have to travel. We don't have that long uh, for We don't have for time for a long detour. And Bado says, I'm sure your father would understand and be proud uh, his children were helping the Avatar. And you're like, oh, if Aang had just stayed a right. second longer. And let's remember, this is not the first time that he did this. This mm-hmm. is what happens with Gyatso, right? Aang overhears the other monks telling Gyatso, we're going to send Aang away. Aang leaves and doesn't hear uh, Gyatso say, I'm never going to let that yeah. happen. So Aang leaves while Gyatso is coming to him to say, I'm, n- I'm not going to let them take you away from me. Yeah. This is also a theme of these orphan shows is there's this misunderstanding. They're so insecure about this created family that they're part of that they um, – they take because uh, every one of those shows, including the movie Annie and Punky Brewster and Webster and Different Strokes, has these orphan children run away at some point mm. because they assume I'm not really wanted here. I'm not really family here, right? So again, I'm thinking of the creators as children of the '80s here because this oh. is what Ang does, right? He he hears part of a conversation. This is the second time in his life he hears yeah. part of a conversation and assumes he's being rejected. Right. There's a lot of sort of rejection trauma in this episode. Yeah. And and they are his. I mean, we talk a lot about how they're his adopted family, like they function as a family. And he has told them about being rejected or feeling rejected in mm-hmm. in that moment when he ran away the first time. Absolutely. Seeing it happen. Yeah. Aww. So we see Aang on the beach that night. He's sitting on Bato's ship talking to himself. And he says, I can't believe they would leave me. Maybe he's talking to Momo. Is Momo there? Oh, maybe not. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <gasps> Well, yeah, I don't know. Actually, I, 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 all I can think of is seeing Aang there, right? Yeah. And because um, he says, "Leave me, not leave us." Oh. So I'm, I'm thinking this is Aang in really the his darkest, most alone moment. I mean, at this point, we see an Earth Kingdom messenger on one of those armored ostrich horse things approach <laughs> uh, with a message for Bato, and Aang takes the message and sees that it's the map to the rendezvous point where Sokka and Katara's dad is. Mm. And he looks at it, and he crumples it up, and he hides it in his cloak. And Momo actually is there, I remember, because Momo sits over his shoulder, watches him, like like the good angel, bad angel uh, thing. Oh, sure. Sits over his shoulder, watches him open it up, and then when he crumples the map, Momo, like, makes a sound and flies off. Oh, interesting. He was there. Now, this is, this is going to set up another theme here, uh, or another, like, kind of motif here, which is we're going to see Aang... 
this is going to be a symbol of Aang's guilt. Yeah. The rest of this episode, there's this kind of guilt that Aang has. That people are pointing out it reminds, unintentionally. Right. It reminds me of the uh, Edgar Allan Poe story, The Telltale Heart, right? Where the guy, mm-hmm. uh, it's been a long time since I've read this story, right? <laughs> he, he uh, I think a guy kills somebody and he like buries the heart under the floor and he keeps hearing the heart beating. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, and, and this, notice that he puts this crumpled up thing in his cloak right by his heart. Mm. Right, so so this is gonna this is gonna it's haunt him throughout this a burden, throughout yeah, the rest of this episode. Mm. Uh, so we see Ang then return to Bato's quarters, and he says, "Sorry, I was gone so long." And Katara says, "I hadn't noticed you left." And here again, we see Ang trying to act natural, which means he acts really suspiciously. <laughs> yes. Right. So so again, Ang now for a different reason is trying to be like, "Nope, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary here." Yeah, right? still trying to hide something. Yeah. Right. Right. So he tries to eat the sea prune stew and spits it out. It smiles. Oh, right. it's, it's good. So now we're going to cut back to, to Zuko, June, and Iroh, and we're going to revisit some people from previous episodes. So we we cut to the herbalist from the Blue Spirit episode. With her white cat. Yep, collecting plants. And she's approached by Zuko, Iroh, June, and the, the Shirshu. Um, and Zuko says, we're looking for someone. And the herbalist says, I hope it's not Mayuki. Mayuki, did you get in trouble with the Fire Nation again? Again? <laughs> <laughs> I want Mayuki to have more of a story here. Right, right. <laughs> She's so cute. So so it is interesting. So we're seeing them. What I liked about this is we're actually seeing this episode fit into a specific moment. So we're seeing them backtrack through this. And we're seeing some of these allies that Aang has made over time. Yeah, because I'm always curious what happens immediately after we leave them. Mm-hmm. Are they okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so then we're back at the Abbey and we see Aang and he's like, airbending hay towards Appa, which Appa eats. And as he does this, he accidentally drops the map from his cloak. Mm. And Mother Superior is there to see it. She points it out. Yep. She points at it and uh, he feels seen. <laughs> yep, yep. Like he's busted. And then yeah. she says, she just re- reprimands him for littering mm. and he takes it back. But it's this moment of like, he is constantly aware of this guilty thing hanging mm. over his Places head. Places it right back at his heart. Right. Uh, so then we go to the beach. Uh, and Bado is showing his ship to Katara and Sokka. He says, the ship was built by my father. Uh, and as they're standing there, Aang sees the the tracks from the messenger's uh, ostrich horse thing. Uh, and again, he's struck, by, struck with guilt. Uh, and he airbends the tracks away. Covers the tracks. Yeah. So, so like th- his, his guilt keeps physically manifesting itself mm-hmm. and he's trying to hide it and trying to hide it. Um, so Sokka asks Bado about ice dodging. Yeah. Uh, and then Bado asks Sokka about his own ice dodging experiences. And we see Sokka kind of like drop at this point uh, because Sokka's never been ice dodging. He says, dad left before I was old enough. So Aang asks what ice dodging is. And Bado says it's a rite of passage for young water tribe members. Now, I noticed he didn't say young water tribe men. Right. But I wonder if that's what he means. Right. And is a member a male. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, this whole episode, I I wrote this down, too, because it bothered me. But I understand it's Sokka-centric, and we haven't had that yet. Mm-hmm. But Katara just very much, like Aang, seems like an afterthought. Like, she doesn't really have a voice in this episode very much. Mm-hmm. She just kind of goes along with what Sokka wants, what Bacho wants. And it feels like we don't know much about water, the Water Tribe, but maybe it's pretty patriarchal. Well, let's think about this, too, because Katara doesn't seem... Especially once they've left the South Pole, Katara doesn't seem 
hindered by patriarchy too much because mm. she's outside of it, right? And even when she was at the South Pole, there's not a lot of patriarchs to have a patriarchal society, right? Right. So this is the first time we see her really encountering a, a, a an older male figure that's yep. not her brother. And maybe she her cultural training snaps into a kind of maybe a slightly more submissive role sure. there. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, we could be projecting a whole bunch onto to this too, but but it is interesting to think like she doesn't entirely seem uh, seem the same. She doesn't seem like the leader she normally does, and like as um, willing to challenge Sokka as much. Right, and I don't, I don't, I don't blame her for that either. I think it's like any you know, I think you it's, see it's somebody from cult, your yeah. past, and you start like emulating what you used to be, and not where you are now. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's kind of what she's yeah i mean especially because the last time she saw a waterbending male she was four yeah right true. so like think about how you looked at your parents when you were really little like that like they were like greek gods right mm-hmm. like like so yeah i like I, I think that that could be that could be part of this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so so he's talking about how this is this uh this rite, rite of, passage. of passage and um he says when you're 14 your dad takes you Sokka looks dejected and it makes me think about how traditions – I mean, we're living in this world of, of COVID-19 and how traditions and rites of passage have had to be put on hold. Yeah. Right? I mean, even things like holidays have to be put on hold. Graduations. We just, graduations. We just had Halloween and, like, I'm sure lots of kids didn't, you know, didn't participate in that. Mm-hmm. But but maybe even other more significant rites of passage, you know, aren't aren't happening or aren't happening in the same way. So it made me think of that, right? How sometimes big big world events like a, like a pandemic or like a war in their case, like actually changes the nature of what their childhood was supposed to be. And mm-hmm. maybe there's a little bit of this. We've talked about one of the themes here is having to grow up too quickly. Yeah. And this is kind of happening to them uh, or a reminder of this happening to them. Right. And a longing for normalcy too. Yeah. Yeah. And Bado recognizes this and he offers to take Sokka ice dodging right now, which is also Bato stepping in as a father figure. Yeah. You know, because like in this culture, he says specifically, your father takes you, you know? Yeah. And I, I appreciated it. But also part of me was like, uh, time time is really important right now i guess they think they're still waiting for the message though so right yeah right right they're like yeah we got time to kill right so uh then we cut back to the people on the trail of of katara and ang Mm -hmm. we cut back to the village from the fortune teller uh and the people are running through the village screaming as uh june zuko iroh and the zershu the sirshu um are, are sort of running through the village um, and this reminds me of something we talked about very early on, that one of the issues with Aang is that he leaves danger in his wake, mm-hmm. right? People tracking him are going to these other places. Um, we don't see them necessarily damage things in this city, but they're definitely terrifying the people oh, yeah. in this and city. And that is an episode that also felt a little bit like a filler, right? The fortune teller mm-hmm. one. But now it's coming back. And we left it and it was very like perfectly wrapped. Like the whole story is over. Everyone's safe. It's fine. But really, it's not. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so we see uh, Zuko asks, why are we stopping here? And June says, because the girl must have spent a long time here, which is interesting because this is this was a, a very Katara-centric episode there. Mm-hmm. So she did spend a lot of time there. Um, uh, so Zuko tries to speed up the process. Uh, and he like is shoving the necklace at the sheer shoe to be like, go, go. And, and, and he like snaps his tongue at, at Zuko and like almost hits him. Yep. Right. So we see the sort of impatience of Zuko and both June and Iroh laugh. So again, they're aligned against 
uh, against Zuko here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the fortune, and then we see the fortune teller actually show up and she asks Iroh, uh, do you care to hear your fortune, handsome? So she's kind of hitting on him. Smitten. Right. Uh, and Iroh says, uh, at my age, there's really only one big surprise left, and I just did soon leave it a mystery. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent answer. Yeah. We So again, we're seeing this wisdom of old age. We're seeing this kind of destiny, right? Because we're all destined to the grave. Um, again, kid show. Uh, <laughs> it would also make me wonder, how old is Iroh? Yeah, because he doesn't seem that old, I don't think. But people can live very long in this world. Mm. Because think about Boomy. Boomy is Aang's actual age. And he's right. alive and still very powerful. So, like, so I don't know. Like, I don't know how old he is. and But especially powerful benders can live a long time. Um, so, yeah, it just made me wonder about that. But then we also know that there's at least... Um, Sozin is not Zuko's grandfather. He's his great grandfather, I think. Oh, yeah. I think. So there's got to be another generation in there. You're right. So, yep. yeah. Um, so then we cut back. So they ride off, right? So they're still on the, on the trail. So we get back to, uh, Tabato's boat and now they're sailing along the coast, right? So they're, they're doing going, the they're, ice dodging. They're going to go ice dodging. Uh, and Bato says that uh, ice dodging is a ceremonial test of wisdom, bravery, and trust. In our village, it was done by weaving a boat through a field of icebergs. Mm. You'll be dodging those. And he points to all these rocks jutting up from uh, from the water. Mm. Uh, so Bato says to Sokka, you'll steer and call the shots. So he's the wise one. Mm-hmm. So lead wisely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Katara and Aang are given jobs on the boat as well. Katara, you secure the mainsail. The winds can be brutal, so be brave. She's the brave one. Which is interesting because we've <laughs> talked about Katara and bravery, though, mm-hmm. right? So so that that's the thing that, that's given to her. And then, uh, Aang, you control the jib. Without your steady hand, we all go down. Your position is about trust. Right. Which hits Aang like an anvil, right? Because he's hiding something from them. So we see him feeling guilty and defensive, and he's like, I know that. Why wouldn't I know that? I'm the Avatar. I know all about trust. <laughs> and it's so obvious. Again, he's trying so hard and doing such a bad job of hiding it, mm. which actually makes you feel good because Aang's not good at lying. Yeah. You know? It makes him more trusting. Yeah. 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 So Bato says, for this to be done right, I cannot help. You pass or fail on your own. Um now, what's interesting, in episode two of this podcast, mm-hmm. we talked about Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. Oh, right. And Campbell talks about how the hero's journey is mirrored in cultural rites of passage. Mm. You know, so he says, like, like in, in, in certain uh, Native American tribes, there's this idea that, like, when, when a boy reaches an age of adulthood, sort of, you know, that they are sent off into the woods, you know, and there's the, all these things that they do. And like, in the, in, in, you know, and those rites of passage are about this movement from childhood into adulthood. Right. Ice dodging is that, mm. you know? So, so this also, what's interesting is to think about this ice dodging scene potentially as a mirror for the hero's journey of this whole thing. So I'm going to overread into <laughs> and project out where this is going because we, we already know that they're giving, they're given certain traits. Yeah. Wisdom. Which right. is interesting with Sokka. I actually am really curious about tracking Sokka and Wisdom. I would have thought it would be brave for him, right. rise for Katara. Right. But it's interesting that it's the other way around. So I'm curious as we go forward mm. how we see Sokka grow into Wisdom, Katara continue to grow into Bravery, and Aang growing into 
being trusted. Yeah, and it's, it's yeah, and when you you have mentioned a lot how you think that at some point they'll split up, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in like a final battle, mm-hmm. and it'd be interesting to see if like one task is wisdom, one is bravery, one is trust. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot here. I feel like like honestly, this scene potentially has the 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 ability to mirror things we're going to see in the future. Oh, and it could totally be, you could totally read this scene off like a throwaway scene. Oh, he's just, it's yep. a coming of age yep. little moment. But... but because we've read our Joseph Campbell, we know what these <laughs> rites of passage are about. Um, so the team works well together. Sokka is the leader. They manage their way through all the trouble spots. And it's sort of like they pass the test. Uh, but then they approach this wall of rocks and Katara says, there's no way through. Sokka says, we can make it. And Bato says, you've already proven yourself. Like, you don't need to do this. Yep. But here's where I think we really have the hero's journey. Like, it's one thing to pass the the formal test. But now it's like they really need to team up because they're in real imminent danger. Mm-hmm. And, and Sokka has Aang and Katara use their bending abilities in concert, which we've already seen them do before. Yeah. Right? And Sokka's the one who... Orchestrating w- it. Wisely is orchestrating, okay, mm-hmm. I need you to do this and you do this. And he's helping to harness their unique powers, powers that he does not have. And that he's been a little resentful about before. Right. And he gets them up over the rocks doing this, right? Um, so what's interesting is here we're also seeing them, you know, uh, growing up faster than normal, right? Like this is a sign of like it's supposed to be this – like ceremonial rite of passage, but instead it's like, how are we dealing with real imminent danger? Right. I feel like this even mirrors that. This scene is really important to me, <laughs> if you can tell. It's immediately applied. Everything mm-hmm. they just learned is immediately applied. Right. And then I love what happens next. So we're back on the beach, uh, and Bato is giving each crew member face paint marks for their accomplishments in ice dodging. Mm-hmm. You know, So we know that they use like the war paint when they're going off to war, but here he's giving them these marks. So he says, for Sokka, the mark of the wise... The same mark your father earned. Mm-hmm. Come on. That's Aww. great. Uh, and what he draws is like a third eye on um, Sokka's forehead. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the with the third eye? Of course you are, right? You, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's really, so can you talk about what that what that means in especially like in Eastern religion? Mm, well, so um, it's we talk about it actually in yoga quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, like center yourself on the third eye. Um, and it's. It's about like seeing things for what they actually are. Mm-hmm. Um, th- it's like seeing things wisely, right? Mm-hmm. Like through this other type of sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's know. it's the inner eye. So mm-hmm. so it can both look. It, you know, your eyes look outward. This this eye looks inward. This is the reflective mm-hmm. eye. This is the eye of enlightenment mm-hmm. and wisdom, right? So I just thought that was really interesting that they just leaned right into like, yep, I saw that symbol and was like, I know what <laughs> I know what they're doing there. Uh, for Katara, the mark of the brave, your courage inspires us. And for her, it's like a, a crescent on her forehead. Sweet. Yeah, I did Sweet a little look. looking into like what does the crescent mean, and I couldn't find anything that oh. tied specifically to bravery. Well, I was hoping these were all going to be deeply <laughs> symbolic. It looks dope. Yeah, so it does that's look enough cool. for me. Yeah. And for Aang, it's the mark of the trusted. And he says, you are now an honorary member of the water tribe. Mm. And it's an arc that goes from one eye to the other. It looks like a unibrow. Like, (laughs) it's kind of what he makes. Um, That's too bad. (laughs) uh, Yeah. Um, But uh, Aang says... It's so sweet that he's included. Right. Like, that's what he's wanted this whole time. Right, because this is this episode is about family. And it's, I mean, this show is about family and the families yeah. we create. And here we have Bato saying, like, you are now a member of this tribe. Right. That's huge. Yes. Yeah. But Aang is haunted. Mm. Right. Here we, the, the telltale heart is beating. Right. And, and uh, Aang says, I can't. You can't trust me. 
and he takes out the the map and he says, a messenger gave this to me for Bado. You have to understand, I was afraid that you wouldn't. And he hands over the map. Yeah. So he's he's admitting to what he did. Um, but this is this is really crushing to Sokka and Katara. So we see Sokka now like truly angry in a way we've never really seen him. I mean, he's like actually, he gets upset and there's maybe he has like kind of things like that. But this is like real like hurt. Stabbed in the back. Yeah. So he says... This is a map to our father. You had this the whole time. How could you? Well, you can go to the North Pole on your own. I'm going to go find dad. Yeah. Which I was, I felt like it was an overreaction because it's only been a couple hours, really, truly, Mm -hmm. that he's hit it. But like all this time felt like a stretch. But they just went through that whole experience together. And, like, Aang wasn't in the room when Sokka said, oh, we need to go with Aang instead of Dad. Right, because there was a little bit of, like, well, when were you going to give this to us? Right. Like, like what's, what, what's, what's what would behind it have taken? this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bato tries to get Sokka to think it over, but Sokka's not hearing it. And we see Katara look disappointedly at Aang and say, I'm with Sokka. Yeah. Now, this makes me also think about the patriarchy part a little bit, too. This is, like, this is Katara... Like, I expected her to, like, not feel this way. But she really goes along with Sokka on this. Like, so, so I, like, I wonder how much of that is her being hurt or, or how much of that is her, whether she feels like she has to fit into line mm. because Bato's there. I don't know. Like, it's, it's very, I was surprised by her. Agreed. By her response. Agreed. Because it didn't even feel like, she didn't feel as angry as Sokka. But she's just like, I'm, I'm with him. Yeah. I'm, I'm with my people now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we go back to the Abbey and we see Katara, Sokka, and Bato packing up to leave. And we see Aang sitting dejected with Appa. Uh, and this is this is a heartbreaking little scene. Uh, Katara walks up to Aang and says, good luck. And Aang says, okay, you too. Like, like these are they're leaving potentially forever. And it's mm-hmm. just like, like there is no affection in these lines they are delivered just dead yeah yeah it's so, real sad it's real betrayal you yeah. know is, is what they're feeling um so the superior then approaches ang and ang says I, I guess i should be moving on and she says that'd be best yeah which is interesting because again she was the one who the only person who was welcoming him as avatar and now she's like you should you, should, you need to leave yeah it- so did they tell her? Like, I don't understand what... I think so. I, she must read the have. room. Maybe yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, hmm. Um, So then we see Aang watch Katara and Sokka walk off. And Aang, now it's just he, Appa, and Momo. And he says, Momo, I'm, I'm an idiot. You His know? conscience. Yeah, <laughs> Momo. Yeah. Um, so Aang leaves in his own way, right? And, mm. and they leave in another direction. So then we cut back to the Abbey a little bit later. We see the sisters are working on making perfume in these huge pots. And June, Zuko, and Iroh burst in on the Shearshoe. The Shearshoe sniffs around, and we see Katar's purple scent all over the place. And right. June says, we're close. And they ride off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we see Katara, Sokka, and Bato walking through the woods, and they hear a wolf howl. I thought it was the Shearshoe at first, and then I was like, That's wait, what, yeah. no. Yeah. It's not, right? No, no. Yeah. Because uh, they have this conversation about it, yeah? Yeah. And Katara says, that wolf sounds so sad. And Sokka says, it's probably wounded. Mm. And Bato says, no, it's been separated from the pack. 
I understand that pain. It's how I felt when the Water Tribe Warriors had to leave me behind. They were my family, and being apart from them was the most pain was more painful than my wounds. Yeah. So remember, Bato was trying to calm Sokka down. But it's interesting that at the same time, he's going to let Sokka be Sokka. Do you know why? Because Sokka is now a man in his eyes. Oh, so yeah. So he's like, I'm, you, I have to let you make your own choices. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's significance to that ice dodging. That wasn't just a little boat ride. Right, right, right. Um, and uh, Sokka's thinking about what Bato says, and he sort of flashes back to, st- again, standing on the docks, watching the Water Tribe sh- ship sail off when he was a kid. He knows what it is like to be separated from the pack. Mm-hmm. And he says, we need to go back. I want to see Dad. But helping Aang is where we're needed most. And Katara says, you're right. Mm-hmm. And, and Bato says, your father will understand. And, and, he, and I know he's proud of you. Now, what, I, what, I, what, what struck my ears there is when he said, but helping Aang is where we're needed most. Ah. That goes back to that advice he says. The like, mission statement. Yep. Being a man is going, doing, going where you're needed most. Right. And Aang, or Sokka now sees himself as an adult and realizes... We need to think about not what we want, but where we're needed. Right, and right. Being, and Aang is where we're needed most. It's being self-sacrificial. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Bato leaves the map uh, with Sokka and says, I'll leave a message at the rendezvous point. So he's like, I'm going to go on because I have to go where I'm needed. Right. But there, but there is this sense that he's, it's like he's proud of Sokka that Sokka passed the second test. Mm. The first test was ice dodging. He did that. But now it's like, okay, now you're a grown up. You're going to make decisions for yourself. You got to make the right decisions. And he's... It's almost like the sense of relief that, like, yep, you've made the right decision. Your father would be very proud of you mm. for making the right decision. So we see Aang on the beach with Appa and Momo. And he says to them, it looks like we're going alone. It's like he's breaking the news to them. Because we know the, how much Appa particularly loves Katara. Yes. And it's like. I feel like Appa just wants them all together. Right, you know? right. Uh, and then the superior rushes up and says, Avatar, you must leave now. And Aang, again, not understanding, it's like, okay, I get <laughs> like, it. Everybody wants me to leave. Come on. <laughs> it's been a rough day. You've already said that. And the superior says, tells him about Zuko, Iroh, and June and the Shirshu and says, the beast was using the scent from a necklace to follow you. And then Aang's like, Katara's necklace. That's the only necklace it could be. Yep. Yep. Um, so then we cut to the woods and we see Katara and, Sta- and Sokka walking back to the abbey. And Zuko and company ambush them. Mm -hmm. And June's like, so this is your girlfriend. No wonder she left you. She's way too pretty for you. (laughs) Zuko just ignores it, doesn't he? (laughs) Right, right. And he's like, where's the Avatar? Mm -hmm. And Sokka's like, well, we split up. He's long gone. (laughs) Zuko's like, how stupid do you think I am? And Sokka's like, pretty stupid, (laughs) actually. (laughs) (laughs) And they try to run away, but uh, they got the tongue whip flash. Yep, so they're stunned now. Mm -hmm. Um, And... June realizes that now it's seeking a different scent mm-hmm. uh, because now it's found it found the thing it was after. So now it's seeking a different scent, and it's a scent that it picked up from the uh, from the map. And she says, perhaps it's something the Avatar held. Yep. So now they're going to use this to go find Aang. And we know that the tongue poison, I guess, stuns for an hour. That's, she said. That's what she said. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So we're back at the Abbey, and we see the Jirshu, uh burst through the gate. And it starts like walking in a circle. It's yeah, it's dizzy or it's confused. Yeah, like it's looking for something, but it can't figure out where the thing the it's scent looking is for is. Confusing it. Yeah. Yeah, and it follows the the scent upwards, uh, up to the sky, and we see Ang circling on the glider. So it's it's that's why it's going in a circle as well. Uh, the Jirshu stands up and throws off its riders. June jumps on its back and starts to close in on Ang. 
Mm-hmm. And here we see Appa burst in and like headbutt the Zirshu <laughs> into a wall. And we see angry Appa just staring them down and like staring down the barrel of the camera, which is a shot we don't often get of Appa. I it's kind of great. love angry Appa. He's terrifying. Yes. <laughs> he's well, he's, he's enormous and powerful and not afraid of anything. And so loyal. Yes. <laughs> so we see Zuko and Aang face off in kind of a bending battle, um, fire and air. And it culminates with them clashing really face to face. And there's this big explosion of wind and fire. And the blast throws them to these to opposite roofs. Um, mm. uh, so what's interesting is we see Aang is not able to just blow Zuko away. Every other time they've faced, yeah, you know, they've blown away. So this makes me wonder, like, has Zuko leveled up? Yeah. You know, because they haven't met since the Blue Spirit. And Zuko now seems more powerful than than he was before. And we've so. seen him training on the ship exactly. night and day. Exactly. And we and what we we don't see Aang doing that because Aang doesn't have teachers. Doesn't have he doesn't have an Iroh in his life to teach him. Right. So it's like his raw talent can only get so far. Exactly. Right. So then we see Iroh go to revive June, uh, <laughs> and she whips the the Zirsu back to its feet, uh, which I, I sort of realize like. It's interesting thinking about her relationship to that animal and Aang's relationship to Appa because she yeah. like she whips that thing a lot and just demands of it and demands yeah. of it. Oh, I know. I felt bad, obviously. <laughs> right. I'm always looking at the animals, but I felt bad. <laughs> Poor thing. And we see Iroh looking very pleased with himself for figuring out how to revive her. Um, <laughs> so June and the Shirshu start to charge at Appa. And Appa like flies up and the Shirshu lashes at Appa with its tongue mm. and he's stunned. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see Appa like slowly open its eyes because like one lash from that tongue's not no. going to take out. Yeah, uh, you know, you're going to need a couple tranquilizers for that guy, right? Uh, and the Zirshu and Appa start to charge at each other and butt heads, and we see Joan, uh, June thrown from Zirshu, uh, and Appa tries to stomp her, yeah. which is like a pretty violent act for well, Appa. Like she, um, did she try to whip? She like whipped at Appa, right? Mm-hmm. And then like knee-jerk reaction he turns around and stomps so i right. feel like it's not i mean like appa's a trapped animal yeah dude and, doesn't have to be a pacifist just because Aang seems to be that's true and uh and i've kind of realized this episode you know i mean it's pretty obvious that my two favorite characters are momo and appa mm-hmm. but i i don't appa's like kind of inching up in this mm-hmm. episode he's fantastic yeah yeah um so he tries to stop her, but she rolls away. And then we see Aang coming to on the roof just as Zuko is charging at him, sort of wielding fire. And Aang's just barely to jump away. And they have this battle on the peak of the roofs. And there's the the roof. And there's a great sound of the roof tiles. So we've got to praise the Foley work here. They're like <laughs> these clay roof tiles, and it sounds awesome. This reminds me of a scene from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Like mm. it, it, Both the sound and the fact that they're like balancing on the peak of the roof as they're as they're fighting, it's it's very cool huh. uh, in that way. Uh, and Aang manages now to kind of blow Zuko away. Uh, and Appa looks on, and then uh, and the Zirshu starts to attack Aang, and, and Appa slams his tail down to blow this big gust of wind. And I'm trying to think, have we seen Appa do that move um, before? I don't think so. Okay. I it's, don't think it's, so. it's like Appa's version of airbending. Like yeah. You can just blow this huge thing, right? <laughs> um, so now we see uh, Katara and Sokka, they're still mostly paralyzed. Um, but they're starting to come to, and Sokka's like, I think I'm starting to get some feeling back. And just as he says this, a bunch of roof tiles fall on him. He's like, now I can feel, and I can feel pain. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, so Zirshu is, is is hot on Aang's tail as he jumps around the courtyard. Um, so Iroh 
in amidst all of this, takes a moment to like test out the perfume and puts it on. And again, he looks very pleased with himself. Yeah. But this is great, great Iroh because he's just not overly concerned about the moment. Yep, it's classic. Even though he's arguably maybe the most powerful person there. Yeah, you know? I, it's probably funny to him to watch all these young kids fighting where he could he could just stop it immediately if exactly, he needed to. Exactly, exactly. So then this is like, I love the Iroh, like things will come in time. Mm. So while I'm here, I'm going to enjoy this, this perfume. Mm-hmm. Um, so Zuko is again bending fire towards Aang and Aang sees the necklace around Zuko's wrist. And Aang's like, you have something I want. He mm-hmm. he just, you know, because I think he wants to make this up to Katara because he's betrayed her. So he's like, I'm going to get that back. Yeah. And she like, it's her last token of her family. Exactly. Right. So we see Aang fighting Zuko around this well and he manages to slip the necklace from Zuko. Uh, and then he like jumps down the well and Zuko jumps up on top of it and like shoots fire down the well. And just yeah. as the fire's going down, there's this geyser of water that comes up because Aang can bend water now. Yep, right? yep. And uh, and he sort of blows Zuko away again. Um, uh, and Appa gets between Aang and Zuko. So I mean, Appa is like the the mother bear, right? With yes. her with her cub. Uh, and the Zirshu starts to lash Appa with his tongue, like over and over and over again. And then we see Appa collapse. Mm-hmm. So like eventually, this is going to affect him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we then see that. Uh, the superior uses some of the perfumes to revive Sokka and Katara, kind of like smelling salts, right? right. Like, because uh, remember, these aren't just perfumes, but he says he says perfumes and ointments and like healing. other healing things, mm-hmm. right? Um, so Aang is now, uh, or excuse me, so Sokka says that that the Zirsu can see with its nose, so he says, let's give him something to look at, being wise, right? Thinking about the thinking about the perfumes and the scents. So Aang is cornered between Zuko and the Zirshu, and the sisters and Sokka dump out these huge pots of perfume, and Kataro like water bends it so it like completely encapsulates the Zirshu. So we see from his like smell cam that he's like overwhelmed. And <laughs> yeah, he can't, all these he, colors and yeah, he can't make out anything now because there's all this this perfume around him. So it lashes out blindly and stuns Zuko and June. And we see Iroh call out her name. This might be the first time we hear her name, actually. Oh, yeah. That could be. Yeah, and he catches her, and then the, the Zirsu runs off. Also, like, he catches her and not Zuko. <laughs> right, right. He also doesn't call out for Zuko. <laughs> I know. It's like, <laughs> come on. Right, so Zuko, June, and Iroh are all on the ground stunned. And, like, June is kind of, like, laying on, on top of uh, Iroh. And Zuko's like, Uncle, I didn't see you get hit with the tongue. And Iroh just kind of shushes him. And smiles. Yeah. And it's like, mm. you had made the case that this was like, this episode, he was sort of creeping on her the whole episode. Yeah. And I was like, no, it's like he doesn't until he does. And then this part is like, ick. It's a little cringy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah I don't, didn't, don't, don't love it. Need to put that in there. <laughs> right. So we see Ang, Katara, and Sokka flying away on Appa. Um, so again, this we're, we're now ending our episode where we're used to with them sort of flying off. Mm. Uh, and Aang says, where do we go now? Like, what is the plan? Are we going to go find your dad? Because again, he wasn't there for any of that. Right. Right. Uh, and Katara says, we're getting you to the North Pole. Sokka says, yeah, we've lost too much time as it is. Aang says, don't you want to see your father? Sokka says, of course we do, Aang, but you're our family too. And then he says, and right now you need us more. Yeah. So we hear that one more time, right? You need to you need to go where you're needed most. And it's interesting too that now once they're away from Bato, Katara has a voice again. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a really insightful, insightful piece. Maybe here. I'm reading into it. But, but you know what? It's a rich text. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so Katara says, and we need you, right? So like, so so it's not just that they're here to, to like serve Aang somehow, but they're all there for each other. Right. right? And isn't that what she was saying in his dream? Like the we need you, Aang, mm-hmm. we need you. Absolutely, right? Mm. And Aang says, I wish I could give you a little piece of home, Katara, something to remind you. And Katara's like, it's okay, it's fine. And he says, still, just a little trinket, maybe something like this. And he shows her the necklace. The second necklace he's given her. Right, right. (laughs) And he's like, Zuko asked me to be sure to give this to you. And Katara's like play acting. He's like, oh, that's so sweet of Zuko. Would you please make sure to give him a kiss when you see him? And Katara leans over and gives Aang a kiss on the cheek and he blushes. And we cut to the end of the episode. Yeah. Oh. It's it's a good ending. It's a sweet ending. Yeah, yeah. So what are the big themes observations that you see coming out of this? Ooh, I like how you broke down the ice dodging thing because I watched that very dismissively. And it's it's now that I think about those three characters and especially what I thought of them before and now what I know about them after that, it's like I will actually be paying attention to wisdom and bravery and trust Yeah, and yeah. how that embodies there's, them. They're such interesting traits. Yeah. Because um, they're not the things you would instantly go to for any of them, right? But it might be the areas where we need to see them really grow and develop. So that's that's just really interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to see if we uh, if we see Bato again. I mean, I presume we will. I presume I mean, one of the big things is that we see that the Water Tribe men are still alive, yep. right? And we know that their father is still alive. These are things we didn't know. And they didn't know. Right, right. Yeah. It, it was sort of like this almost mythical thing of they're all gone. So I was prepared to treat Sokka and Katara just as orphans, right? right. Um, we get this theme of where you're needed most. Mm. And like I'm I, now I want I to see how much those lessons continue. Like does Sokka continue with that idea with that lessons? Um we also get back to one of the core questions of this show, which is like, what is family? What is tribe? Right. You know, and where is home? And and Aang has been orphaned multiple times, um, and so I'm cur- I like I, I that's something I want to keep coming back to, like how much of that sort of trauma of being um, being the only one left, being left alone, uh, is going to continue to haunt him because mm-hmm. that that definitely is something. Uh, what I'm curious about is can that be used against him? Yeah. You know, because we see for the first time, something I've been talking about throughout this is like, we see the first time Aang separated from Katara and Sokka. Mm-hmm. And we see that abandonment, you know, like he's almost orphaned by them in that moment, right? Because they have real family as opposed to this adopted family. Yeah. And the trauma of when I leave things can go really bad for people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we see that on the trail of the sheer shoe, but we also see that with his with his new family. Yep, yep, yep. I loved this episode. It's really good. It was, it was really fantastic. So uh, we apologize that this is a really long episode. <laughs> I have a feeling the next one's going to be really long too because there's so much to unpack this week. Annie, that is all the time we have for this episode of Avatar with Academics. Um, stay with us because there's going to be another episode dropping into your feed right away. That is episode 16. The Deserter. The Deserter.